Michael and Heifert present This Week in Horror. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Heifert. And I'm Sickle, and we're Sickle and Heifert. We're the Unhallowed Reviewers. We're back. We're back. I got hiatus. I don't know. Is this our, like, eighth hiatus? I don't know. Nobody's paying us. Uh, so, some news today. Uh, the first one is about Max and Sam Eagers to direct a psychological horror about a pregnant couple who takes, who take in their ailing stepmother. I feel like it's literally the plot of 35 other movies I've heard about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I th- the main reason that I thought, I don't know, the only thing that I, w- I found, like, engaging about that is that Max and Sam are the brothers of Robert Eggers, and... I'm like I, I mean like are they just trying to ride the ride the coattails of their brother or are they actually good? And it's kind of, I I don't know why, but it's like, I forget the other one's name, but there's Ethan and what Joe Cohen. It's it starts with a J. I could have sworn, Joel Cohen, whatever. But there's like the Cohen brothers, right? And there's Wachowski brothers, um, and there's Justin and then um, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead who always do stuff together, and. I shouldn't have brought them up because that's not the point. But like, there's two like there's these two brothers, right? And they're making movies together. And then there's Robert Eggers in the family, and then he's able to make movies by himself. But Max and Sam have to team up. Max wrote The Lighthouse. Oh, he did, did he? Yeah, yeah, and yes, supposedly he's written. Maybe he's credited as written by. Yeah. (laughs) So he, so he directed and wrote it. What? Oh, no, Max? Robert Eagers directed it, sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so Max wrote... Yeah, Robert and Max were the, the co-writers. So, so Max wrote the, the least comprehensible Robert Eggers no, movie? No, him and his brother did. <laughs> Robert. Robert did. <laughs> well, I know what to expect from Robert. I don't know. I just thought it was weird that usually it would be like Max and Robert, or Sam and Robert, and they like show up together but it's robert by himself who does stuff good by himself but max and sam team up i i don't know why i think that's funny i just think it's funny i i guess nobody else thinks it's funny i don't know i (laughs) I mean i don't i guess it's i don't know if it's funny it just feels like nepotism it's not very funny when you're like just getting ahead because your brother's good at stuff like it's true yeah i mean maybe (laughs) it'll be amazing and it won't matter but i I don't know. <laughs> it's just descriptive of the industry. It feels like it's just like you can't, you don't get in unless you're like blood. It, it's kind of why I love. It, it's I mean I guess I just brought them up, but it's kind of why I love Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead so much because they just worked really really hard. It seems like to me, like their first couple of movies were made with for like pennies, and they well, worked true. really really hard, and then they got to. Um, seen chronic which had a budget and legit actors in it and <laughs> like they worked their way up you know yeah. blood sweat and tears and didn't just as far as i know just get handed you know like um my mom and dad were hollywood stars in the 50s so i just get handed this i guess it's kind of like trite though because yeah like you see that all the time but it doesn't change anything like the same people just keep coming back into the like it's like oh this is the uh, what is it? Um... Oh, what's the freaking dude that did the fly? 
Oh, <laughs> David Cronenberg. And then yeah, Brandon. Cronenberg and then like Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. He's like, ah, yes, I'll just do some of the stuff my father did. And write even <laughs> less comprehensible movies than him. <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure people love them and I'm going to get booed off the internet, but like, I don't really care because I haven't really hated what I've seen from him, but I haven't. I mean, if you're seeing like things like <clears throat> Possessor, but then you also see same things around the same time frame, like within the same year, like Daniel isn't real. It's like, really? Like, I don't, I don't know. There's like very, one of those is very, a much, a lot better movie to me. And it's not. It's true. Possessor. <laughs> no, I agree. Anyway, I agree. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, on, on another note, the ever infamous Camille del Toro is doing a show on Netflix called Cabinet of Curiosities. I feel like Del Toro has been like all man. There's just been so much with this dude, and like you've probably heard about it all because he's a pretty popular guy to follow if you're into the industry, horror industry, or if you like horror. But like, you have him doing some of the craziest horror that we've seen in a long time, like Pan's Labyrinth and that kind of stuff. Then you have him doing like his own, like his version of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was kind of meh. And you always hear about him doing, like, almost like what I would refer to as, like, threatening to do really cool projects, but never fall, never being able to follow through with them, you know? Like, it's true. Of madness and things like that. And I definitely, lot. in my opinion, I blame Hollywood for that because they're the ones that don't, like, he's he doesn't want to compromise what he wants to do. And mm. the studio always wants him to change. And he says, well, never mind, I just won't make it. And I would rather him not make it because it's not going to be the way he wants it than to keep compromising and then it just be the same schlock that we keep getting dealt. So I, I'm thinking this is going to be better because it's a Netflix show. It's not meant for it's meant for like a horror audience. And so it's um, on Netflix. Is that bad? No, it's just interesting because I'm pretty sure that Lore is on Amazon, right? Yeah. And well, that's the same dude that makes that because that's a, it's like a sister podcast to lore cabinet oh, of curiosities, cabinet of curiosities. Oh, okay. yeah i i thought that i could be wrong because i don't think i've only listened to it maybe once or twice but i don't I, know that i thought it was it like short bites it might just be coincidence okay i don't think this has anything to do with the podcast okay uh i mean that's a pretty blanket term like cabinet of curiosity so he probably mm -hmm. doesn't have it coined um, so There's going to be creatures and monsters, kinda... though, so I'm, like, really excited about that. Yeah. I mean, as, much, as much as I love, as much as I love Aaron Mankey, um, I would, per like, just with how lore turned out, because I was really excited for that to be brought to, like, the screen. Like, that was a cool idea to stream video of some of that stuff. The quality isn't great, for me at least. Um, and that was, that was a disappointment just because I wanted it to work really well. Because um, I love how, that how podcast so much. I guess I don't see how it would ever have been something better than just doing a podcast. So we don't have to talk uh, yeah. about it. Either, but it's like, it was totally just storytelling. And so, I mean, I don't know. I it's feel like true. A lot of it's stuff just... he's talked about, too, has been told in better ways by literal movies. Like uh, the grave robber guys who were selling. Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> like Madame Bathory, that's been told before. So. It just, yeah, it just doesn't know. translate. It doesn't translate well. And it yeah, was so cool I, live, I'd be... though. I'll say that. Like it was cool having. I went to a live show with, with uh, a floor with Aaron Mankey, and it was really cool to watch, like him talk about it and do it in person. It, it was different, right? It's not like they're trying to act it out. It's just him telling stories in person, which is kind of cool. So yeah, 
That's super awesome. And, and like I said, I love that guy and I love his podcast. I think he's, it's just really soothing to listen to. And I really like it. It's one of the best podcasts out there. But, but that's not what this is about. No, I just. super excited about this, everybody. He's not talking I, about a, a show version of that, as far as we can tell. Yes. So, so yeah, and I would prefer it not to be. Um, I would prefer Del Toro, like you said, to be diving into like monster stuff and get, doing what he loves to do. And if it's stuff that's. If it's something that he's latched onto and it's a passion project for him, then I'm very excited. He's producing it and he's co-running it. And apparently two of the eight episodes are original works from him. Nice. So okay. Yeah, I'm I like, love that. You know what that reminds yeah, me of? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> that, reminds me the, that reminds me of the 50 States of Fright thing because, like, Raimi was, had, oh, had man, his, was had his so hands cool. in that. So good. And yeah. I, I can't believe it. Like, that was the easily the only good thing on that streaming service and i wish somebody had found a way to pick it up when that thing crashed because that was so good like i still want to go find it and watch it that stuff oh man i loved it yeah sony needs to go and finish that Uh. (laughs) yeah yep i agree but if this Uh, could be like that that'd be awesome (laughs) you kind of made me think about something i learned the other day and this is just a factoid lesson than it is actual news but i'm going to talk about it anyway but you were talking about somebody who, like, did their own thing, and I was like, I didn't think 56 Friday. I was like, oh, well, like, like, um, Mike Flanagan does, like, I was thinking you were referencing him directing or writing some of the episodes of, like, Midnight Mass and stuff, which I think he did, so it makes sense, but apparently, in Hush, she's actually writing Midnight Mass, the book. Like, which is another, awesome. Yeah, which is really cool, and you can actually see, like, verbatim scenes from like that she's editing in her book in the sh- in the movie Hush that are that happen in Midnight Mass. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's so cool and I, I think that it shows just that like there's a lot of years apart. Um, years apart. Yeah, years like, apart. You don't even but, know if Mike if he's going to get his own show called Midnight Mass and it's still he's still committed to the bit. Yeah, because he like I mean like cuz I'm sure that even at that time he may have just been like, I don't know if this is ever going to get made, but it's something that I'm proud of and I've been working on for years. And you, you, it shows you that, like, it also shows you just kind of like that, like, he's had a lot going on in his head for a really long time. It's not like he hit it big and then started doing stuff. Like, it, it's it's kind of proof, kind of like to all of us, that, like, keep working on your stuff. And because, like, you, only one thing needs to. Um, be successful for it all to start to come to light and be successful. Because that almost makes me like look at films a different way too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And no, no, that. you're right. No, no, go ahead. No, uh, because like you think about this, like this method that uh, Robert Rodriguez had, right, where he directed stuff he loved, like uh, Planet Terror and goofy shit like that. But the reason he could do stuff like that was because he directed the Spy Kids movies, and he made so much money from those that he could just kind of do whatever he wanted. I feel like it's a little bit like how Nicolas Cage works, where he does stuff he knows is going to make money, and then he comes and does his own projects, like Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which was actually like a good combination of both, but um, <laughs> I don't know, like, I it's kind of clever, and it makes me like, look at this idea of selling out as a lot, a lot less critically, you know, when someone's like, oh man, that person just did that just to do it, except for stuff with A24, I always feel like, like, Ty West... 
Yeah. Tyler's A24 thing we could talk about in a whole episode. I feel like he's, <laughs> I feel like he's just like masturbating all over A24. They're like, you want to do some stuff? And he's like, sure, I'll do this movie. And he's like, I want to do a prequel to it. And then I bet <laughs> it's just going to keep going. And it's like, is this all you guys got? Is you're just milking Ty West? And like, Ari Aster is like out of the picture now, right? He doesn't do movies anymore or something. <laughs> he's, he's so last year that he's not allowed to do any more A24 movies. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Anyway, side tangent. But, um, yeah, I really like that idea of like, you know, you gotta put out a, a Haunting of Blind Manor in order to do a Midnight Mass. And maybe it's not the best thing in the world, but it made money enough for them to do something else with him, so. It's true. Like, I'm sure he made a ton to do Bly Manor. Yeah. And it wasn't and it's his work. a very work. common story. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, he may have written the screenplay for the show, but uh, obviously it wasn't his primary concept. I've read, I read recently this book called uh, What Moves the Dead, and it's a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of House Usher. And it's done in by this, this author named T. Kingfisher, and she does a lot of really cool horror writing. Writing in general, honestly, but she re, she like kind of retold the Fall of House Usher, and and they're making a movie out of the Fall of House Usher. They're making a TV show. I think it's like Mike Flanagan's next project, actually. Yes, um, I believe so. Yeah. And I'm like really hope they go into the like what moves the dead route because it was so cool. Like I would highly suggest listening to it and book on tape or reading it if you can because it's a really cool retelling of it and it's uh it's like Lovecraftian. It's really cool. So hmm. okay. <laughs> I'm very. It's it's way more leaning into like the Lovecraft side than the Edgar Allan Poe side it was like if those two got smashed together so it's not like that's cool forevermore evermore and you're just like the the, the craziness the, the scariness is in the unknown that way it's like there's more like mushrooms and stuff which you're in well, but anyway I don't get into it so let's move on to trailers before I rabbit hole too far on random stuff I've done the last five weeks <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got us some so Let's just be frank, straightforward and frank here. October is going to be lit. Like, this yeah. October for horror movies is going to be insane. You have Terrifier 2, Hellraiser, Halloween Kills, or Halloween Ends. Like, all these movies are coming out. Like, it's going to be nuts. And, yeah, I don't know. The first one we're going to get, like, on October 6th is going to be Terrifier 2. And apparently it's not only is it streaming on Streambox, it's also going to be in theaters, which is nuts to me. Like that they moved it from being a we literally saw like one of the few premieres of Terrifier I feel like right yeah yeah and then now it's like a full-fledged like movie theater film that they're releasing in theaters not in it like I don't even know if it went to circuits at all like festival circuits at all uh, so, t- t- I don't think it did so like that's think. really cool to have been part of the whole journey of Terrifier you know yeah and this yeah, one looks it's really cool. good too it does, yeah. It looks like they took... I think they did it right, where they didn't just say, oh, we have a bigger budget, so let's improve everything. Mm-hmm. Like, no, let's keep that gritty, grungy, like, uh, analog style that we had in the first one because people liked that mm-hmm. element of it. That it had that, like, grindhouse 80s, sh- uh, like, slasher schlock feel to it. Like, that's part of the appeal of art the clown of terrifier and so they kept that feel but they're like now we just have a bigger budget for the kills mm-hmm. basically and that's and what like it looks the story like to me. Too, frankly because i mean thinking about terrifier it takes place in like two or three different scenes, uh, settings right there's the pizza joint the news area 
and then the like warehouse, the warehouse slash yes. apartment building. And so yeah. this one looks like it goes over a lot more, and there's a lot more happening. And it's more like a kind of hectic, like more slasher in terms of like Jason and Halloween, where they're like getting all over the place somehow all night long and just effing shit up all the time. And there's like one through thread. I don't know. I'm really excited for it. <laughs> Yeah, and I get like these almost. I mean, I'm I'm I don't know if it's I don't mean it quite the same way, but almost this like tinge of meta to it uh, that kind of reminds me of like New Nightmare, um, a little bit. Not that it's it's not oh, like, like it's not yeah, the same. The kids dressing up as Arthur Clown, right? And you're like, oh. Yeah, there's something where it's 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 almost like some people don't remember or don't know what he did, and so they're kind of embracing him because maybe he's just being weird in front of them instead of. They you forgot, know, like, Jedi him. over, like, five years, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. If there's a part of it that seems goofy because it seems like some people are like, it's just Dark the Clown. Like, what's the big deal? Like, it's it's just strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm excited for it. It's going to be Me good. Too. <laughs> uh, the next one on our list is Little Demon, and I've actually seen some trailers and stuff for this before. Uh, Sick will put it on here. It's it, it's like got a really cool cast as far as I understand because it's got at least the very least I think it's Danny DeVito right like is the, and Aubrey like, Plaza the I and think Aubrey yeah. Plaza that's that's who it is yeah yeah uh, so I I don't know it's it's an animated show so you gotta like not hate that but it doesn't look like it's that bad so and it's got that it's it's um created by Dan Harmon who if you're a fan that's of right. his stuff then you'll be you'll be excited about that um, and I don't I don't think that Dan Harmon is this, like, creative god or anything like that. But if you like his stuff, then you usually like his stuff. And I really like what he comes up with. Obviously, um, I've, I've the pinnacle of Dan Harmon for most people is either his podcast or um, Rick and Morty and Community. And so if you like those things, you'll probably like some of his other stuff. But, like... As with anybody, not everything they produce is gold. Like, there are degrees of how good things are. are. Like, for example, me personally, because, like, Justin Roiland, I think, who also helped create Rick and Morty, is a little bit more... I think he's a little bit more involved if Dan Harmon was involved at all with Solar Opposites. And I like Solar Opposites, but I don't think it's near as good as Rick and Morty. So I get kind of vibes of Little Demon from that that maybe it's going to be kind of on the level of solar opposites where it's like, oh, I, I love the elements that kind of remind me of Rick and Morty, but that it's doing its own thing. It's just not quite as, it's not quite as funny to me or it's not quite as entertaining. And I think that the difference here is that with it being horror oriented, um, there's a lot more for me to latch onto than solar opposites. Like just being able to have that comedic horror element will help keep me more engaged um, even if I don't think it's quite as witty as Rick and Morty is, I guess. I guess we'll see. Yeah, hopefully it'll be awesome. A lot of speculation in that review. There was. <laughs> uh, they Crawl Beneath is in the last movie on our trailers list. Um, it looks pretty cool, I think. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, I think. Um, it, it's like a mix of trimmers and... What was that movie with Stanley Tucci that came out around the same time Bird Box did? Silence? Oh, yeah, The Silence, yeah. Actually, kind of, I went back and watched some scenes from that, and I think I like that better than Bird Box, so. Um, <laughs> it had more going on. 
Yeah, and I liked it better than Quiet Places. Quiet Place isn't that good, so. <sighs> Ifrit does not. Disclaimer: Ifrit does not. The reflections of Ifrit's it, opinions yeah, do not reflect. They, they don't match the signals. Kind of dynamic <laughs> of the show. Uh, <laughs> but they, I think they. I what I liked about this trailer, and I was kind of side watching it, so I didn't. I'm not going to sit on the criticisms that Sickle's probably going to uh, hit on. But I thought it was cool. They did a lot of like monster practical effects, and I was like, hey, I'll watch this. Probably come out on like. If it comes out in theaters, great. If it comes out on a streaming platform, even better. Like. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Fine. I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. So like. The... <laughs> I, I called you out, so now you have to. Say you did. It. Now I have to say it. They, so like, I, I, I. If anything professes that it's like you know, that it boasts like heavy practical effects, lots of practical effects that are really good, then I expect that. I expect heavy amounts of practical effects that are really good. And the creature looks to be great in that department, and I'm excited for it for that reason. But then I I get really bothered by other elements that are very fake with CG, and I think it bothers me because they aren't things that are terribly difficult to do or expensive to do practically um like in the trailer for example you know that frankly i think so because i think that it can be very cheap to i think all you have to do is be creative and innovative and when i think that's part of what like when we hear about you know when we go to like tell your eye and some of the directors show up and the creators show up and they come out and they say well yeah that was the most expensive shot and we don't really have the budget for it so we had to do a b c x y z in order to pull this off and make it look like it actually happened and this went wrong but we were able to correct it by doing this and like i i feel like if you care about the shot being good then you'll find a way to make it happen and you don't just have to slap cg on it wait, this, wait. it's personal I have a opinion here because it's not it's not this or that it depends on the resources you have at hand because if you have people who are good at practical effects on hand it's quote cheaper for you to do them but if you have people who can do cg work and can do those types of things that stuff isn't cost prohibitive anymore and in fact i even argue that practical effects stuff can be more resource cost resource intensive slash cost prohibitive than having someone spin up some software and do a quick cg cut in a edit in editing like to add some effects so it, today like it definitely really comes CG's... down to your like resources at hand. So if you have CG, a team yeah. and you're making an independent movie like Terrifier and you know how to do all this stuff with cameras and you know how to do all this like crazy stuff, or you have a team like with uh, You Might Be the Killer. Is that the movie? Is that You Might yes. Be the Killer? Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, where they come up with their own like you know practic- like their own kind of outfit for the murderer or the slasher. That's that's true, but. They might have just gotten lucky, right, with a person who knew practical effects and things like that. No, it's true. Like, that's, I, I, I see your point. But you, and also, it, counterpoint to my own point, if they did the practical effects for the monsters, they'd probably have somebody who's good at practical effects. Exactly, yeah, I, yeah, okay, so, so that's, that. yeah, that's a good argument. In this I'm particular case, it's... arguing with myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that, like, I think that that's what bothers me. If the whole thing was CG, it's like, okay, well, I know what I'm going into, and that was like you said that was what they had on hand to work with and i and i do understand that because i'm not good with practical effects stuff but i can do some computer stuff so i would be i would be more on that side of things i would have to try to find a way to make it work with my skills that i have at, on hand 
if mm-hmm. I was trying to make something super cheap. And so I, I, I totally agree with you. I understand that. Um, but like to that argument, like you, like you just made, if you've already got practical effects, then for me personally, if you have a really bad CG shot that is fair, like a dedicated, like you're watching the shot, it's all CG. There's no practical effects to it. It's like, but you just had the practical effects. You couldn't have found a way to do that. And it it just, it's not something where like, I'm going to overjudge the movie. I want to watch it first, but there were just two shots in particular that I noticed that I was like, I feel like with all of the ingenuity you put into your creature, you could have found a way to blow dirt up to the camera. Like, because, like, the opening shot is, like, it shoots CG dirt up at the screen, and I'm like, but you could, it's not that hard to fake dirt going up into the screen, and, like, I get that You're saying that, but you don't know, like, you're, you're, I think you're being (laughs) judgmental here, but you don't know the context of what was hard and what wasn't hard, like, I, I disagree because I, I feel like anybody could do that. Oh, then go do I mean, it and show me how easy it is because otherwise I'm not going to believe that anybody can do it. I don't, sure, I'll tell I you how you can do it. Everybody would making movies. Go do it. I don't want to see you tell me how to do it, write some fucking instruction. Go, go I can tell you it's super easy. You put, a, you put an M80 under the ground and you, yeah. put the camera, you, you put the camera up on a tripod above the ground. You put it at a safe distance. You run a fuse under the ground. You blow it up. Then all you're having to take is the fuse out fuse out with cg but then you have real dirt blowing up like it may not even be the perfect shot but it'd be a lot better than just really crappy fake cg that if anybody you go watch this trailer you probably miss what sickle's referencing in this trailer because it's so such a small part of what this trailer is <laughs> and he's here giving at-home instructions for kids to use <laughs> to break their own explosions uh, that's oh man do you right, don't i'm gonna you, talk about wait, now now we have to movie. drop another disclaimer Please no, don't no. use fireworks. In- okay, We're right. two demons in hell. I don't have to disclaim shit. Like, <laughs> like, welcome. Come down and join us. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, last one, but seriously, on a serious note, this last movie I think I want to talk about, if you're okay with it. Um, do you see the list? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I'd like to basically have like a disclaimer in the fact that like you probably shouldn't ever watch this movie. Just because I've saved you the time and watched it, and it's, it's just <laughs> if okay. if it saved us all, because I I'm, I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> I bought this movie to watch it, so <sighs> I spent money to own this movie, and I can't, you can't take that back. Uh, nope. So I've heard some things. I've been watching TikToks a lot, and TikTok has a bunch of people who review horror movies, and as I'm a fan of the kind of like found footage genre and things like the Poughkeepsie tapes. I heard about this movie called Megan is Missing, and supposedly uh, it's supposed to have some of the most, uh, the last, what, like 20 minutes are just the most messed up 20 minutes of any movie ever. They're disturbing and stuff like that. Um, the short and long of it is this movie is about two friends, two, like, middle school, high school, 13-year-olds? Is that high school? Middle, uh, middle school, school, I think? Middle school, middle school okay. for me, at least. Middle school kids and... One of them, they live. They live in kind of a, like. They live in Hollywood. I think that's probably descriptive enough for most people. They live in Hollywood, so their lives are very like intense. Uh, except for like the one girl's life's intense, and the other girl's life's is like very humdrum. And that's kind of the main crux of this movie is that one of them is really really popular with boys and stuff like that, and the other one isn't. And um, the one who is Megan uh, meets a guy online and gets abducted, and then they start to look for her, and her friend ends up finding some stuff out, and then gets abducted too, and 
the whole thing is shot from like her camera or like FaceTime videos or webcam videos. Yeah, I don't getting, yeah. Getting, yeah. And so there's that and then there's one scene the one scary scene in the movie, like the scariest scene in the movie and like the because it's just so sudden and really not what you think is gonna happen, is he like asks her to get in this barrel because he's gonna take her home. And she's like at this point so broken down that she just is trying to you know, anything he says is like the last glimmer of hope it maybe it'll be true. And he opens his barrel up and like Megan's like dead inside of it and he shoves her in the barrel and that's the last you see of them. And all you hear for the last 15 minutes of the movie is like him digging a hole while they're in a barrel and she's like trying to talk him out of killing him. And that's it. And then it ends. (laughs) So, I feel like it's mostly just a bad piece of shit movie. And it has some stuff in it that's like the equivalent of like killing a dog to make you uncomfortable but for a different avenue. I might be wrong, but I also feel like um, it just isn't something you should probably like waste your time with. And there you go. <laughs> I went a little <laughs> long, but now you know more than about Megan is missing than you ever wanted to, and probably should like have warned people that there's like triggers and stuff. But you know, it's a horror podcast, so what do you expect? So yeah, stuff's heavy. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it has a message, but it gets lost if it does have a message because I didn't really feel anything. But like, hey, this feels like the same thing as like Wolf Creek. It just makes me not want to travel to Australia. It's like, what am I gonna do more? Like, my kids never let them talk to anybody. That's probably no. That's worse. good. You, like, no, you got the PSA of Wolf Creek. Just don't never go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's the PSA of Megan's missing. Don't go to Australia. <laughs> no wait. What? Uh, no, no. Megan's missing is just don't go outside. Yeah, don't let your kids interact with other humans. There you go. I like this idea, this perpetuated idea that stranger danger is still like a thing, when in reality, the ma- like, well, not reality. It's been, I've seen a lot of stuff that's suggested that a lot of that type of stuff actually happens from people you know. So it's at least 50-50. And so perpetuating this idea of stranger danger, I feel like, is just a weird message when you're not like also alluding to the fact that that weird stuff can happen from inside of a home or a family too. So it's like, it's true. I don't know. <laughs> it just perpetuates a stereotype of people not getting to know each other. And I don't know. Like, and also the other side of it of, 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 well, we know them. So they're, they're it's automatically safe. a safe yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which may yeah, even, so which may be even more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to get into like another PSA here. So anyway, uh, don't watch me. Missing. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.